Hello and welcome to the Mindful Men podcast, the show helping men to open up about manhood. My name is Simon Rennie and my aim is to get men talking. From mental health to fatherhood and everything in between, Mindful Men creates a safe space for conversation. Now, before we get into this episode, I want to say a huge thank you for joining me. It means a world for you to join me and talk about men's issues. And if you love what you hear, please subscribe and share the episode with your mates. You can also join the conversation on Instagram and YouTube, and I'd love to connect with you there. But for now, sit back, relax, and let's get mindful. G'day, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Mindful Men podcast. I'm your host, Simon Rinney, and today we're getting mindful about manhood, mates, and mental health. And a trigger warning, because we are talking a bit about mental health today, if you do get triggered by this type of discussion, please feel free to skip this episode. That's more than okay. But if you do stick around and you do get triggered, please reach out to your support networks. Now, I'm super excited. I've got Rob Mills, who in many households across Australia is also affectionately known as Millsy. How are you going, Millsy? Very well, mate. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good, thank you. Where are you coming from today? Where are you recording from? Mate, uh, on the lands of the Kulin Nation people, I'm, uh, I'm in Wurundjeri land. I'm here in, um, in Turak in, in Melbourne. It sounds very toffy when I say Turak. We've just moved here. Every time I've said Turak, everyone's like, oh, very fancy. Um, we're just in a, in a lovely apartment my partner and I found a few months ago. We've just moved back from Sydney to Melbourne. Yep. And it's great to be back around all my family and friends again. Awesome. That's great. Now, Rob, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, and it's, they must be living under a rock if they don't know who you are, but you're a performing yep. artist and, and you hit the scene with Australian Idol 2003, um, but you've been on Neighbours as well, Dancing with the Stars. You've been in musical theatre, Wicked, Grease and Hairspray, just to name a couple. But you're also the author of Putting on a Show. And that's the reason I, I asked you to come on the show, because you're talking in your book around manhood, mates and mental health. Um, and I thought it'd be a fantastic discussion to have with you on the show. So again, thanks so much for coming on. But before we get started, I'd like to find out a bit about my guests and the backstory. I guess where you grew up, like, are you from Melbourne or are you from somewhere else? And, and what was it like growing up? Have you got siblings and some of those key life moments, that I guess, you know, that stick out to you? Mate, I grew up in Melbourne, yeah, uh, Willis Hill, so about 30 k's southeast of um, of the city. Um, I would call it the sheltered southeastern suburbs of of Willis Hill. Um, we I've got two older brothers. We travelled around a little bit as kids. Um, my my dad had work in different sort of places. Um, we moved to Adelaide when I was I think two, and then we came back when I was four. Um, for a little while there, I thought I was South Australian because you know when you're a kid, you just go, oh yeah, I was born in I was. Yeah. I came from South Australia, so I must have been born there. I was not. Um, <laughs> and then, yes, two older brothers. One um, loves, well, actually, we all love music. Mum, dad, and my brothers both. That we, So we all love all love music. My oldest brother is probably the one that put me on the trajectory of being a performer and a singer. Um, him and my mum. Mum would take me to karaoke when I was a kid in primary school. Years later, I would realise it was mum's escapism time from my father. They soon broke up. Um, soon after that yeah. Uh, but yeah mum taking me to karaoke was her escape but also it was a, a way for me to um to get up and on stage I think she really liked showcasing her talented son um but my eldest brother came home from work one day and I talk about this in the book it was a real pivotal pivotal moment in my um in my life where he came home from 
from working at the pub the next day, or he'd working, I think he's working at Pete's Hut as well. And he's just uh, absolutely careering up the court and with this music playing. And I was like, what, what's that song? And he goes, oh, that's the song I sang last night at the pub. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, yeah, I got up and sang, and sang with the band. So he was a glassy um, um, at the pub. So he used to pick up glasses and stuff at the Burvale Hotel. And he's like, yeah, the, I've been peppering the band and they've been hearing me singing. And they're like, why don't you just get up and sing a song? So last night, you know, I actually got up and did the song. So I thought that was the coolest thing that I'd ever heard in my life. And uh, obviously, you know, your older brother is quite often your idol um, when you're growing up, someone that you really look up to. So, and I love singing. We all, all love singing. So yeah, that sort of really put me on the path of like, well, he can do it. Maybe, maybe I can do it as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, grew up in Glen Waverley. My middle brother also loves music, but completely different tastes in music as well. More alternative kind of taste buds. And the other one was sort of more Aussie rock and um, pop music. Um, Dad and mum, just really eclectic tastes as well. And yeah, I think we just had a really big breadth of of music growing up, which sort of put me on the the path to wanting to do it singing choirs and in bands and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So what's some of the the musical, I guess, influences in, in your younger days? What did you listen to on the radio? Or I'm assuming it was a cassette tape or it was before the days oh, mate. of CDs. <laughs> yeah, we had the radio going. If you're making, you know, everyone knows that sound of the uh, the record and play button at the same time. <laughs> if you don't know what that sound is, you are way too young. Uh, the joys of trying to get the right timing for when the uh, radio announcer would introduce your favorite song. Like, and they're doing the ninja the ninja roll out, like trying to be really quiet so it doesn't hear you shuffling around in the background as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the it was the best. But yeah, music, mate, everything from um, as I said, Oz Rock. Uh, Mum was into like uh, Barbra Streisand and um, all musical theatre sort of tunes and um, Tina Arena, John Farnham, Beatles. Rolling Stones from my dad and um, my stepdad as all as well had some really um, big influence on me musically as well. Um, but yeah, Radiohead, Pearl Jam, Elf, Offspring, uh, Foo Fighters, like everything from rock to pop to Backstreet Boys, NSYNC. Um, yeah, that's, that's why I'm pretty wrapped at the moment. I'm about to jo join a show called And Juliet, which is all the the pop songs of the last sort of thirty years by a guy called Max Martin. Max Martin. Mm. So I'm wrapped about that one. Being able to sort of flex that pop. Backstreet Boys, Muscle, uh, Justin Timberlake kind of boy band sort of sort of thing that's always been within me. <laughs> it's interesting you say Backstreet Boys because I've noticed that they're making a, a comeback the other radio channels up here as well. So I'm wondering, what are we doing a bit of a loop back through the old discs as well? Hey, everything old is is new again. I saw some some kids walking around as goths last night. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> goths are back? Goth for a long okay. time. Yeah, goths are back. <laughs> Well, and, and so did you just do like music and, and the performing arts or did what else did you do growing up? Did you play sport or anything? Oh, mate, yeah, I wanted to play. I wanted to be a footy player when I was growing up. So that was my dream. I wanted to be Crawf I wanted to be Shane Crawford or Dermot Brereton. I'm a massive Hawthorne Hawks fan, um, but I played cricket, baseball, um, little athletes, gymnastics, anything really that was physical and active. But footy was really my, my first love. Um, got to play pretty like rep rep football and um got um got to train with the Oakley Chargers in under 18s I thought maybe I'm a chance of getting drafted yeah. I was not I uh <laughs> I injured my hamstring and never played a game for Oakley but we did win out finally after you know 10 years of playing football I, I won a premiership for for the Mulgrave Lions in under 18s it was one of my 
greatest sporting achievements. Um, but yeah, always just wanted to play football and I still love it now. It's one of my, we talk about um, blokes needing outlets uh, of meditation or um, some people like bushwalking or, which I also love as well, but um, some people like workshops, like the, um, the men's shed. But for me, it's, it's, there's nothing greater than running around, kicking the footy. This it's super meditative, like see the ball, get the ball, handball, kick, you know, like a little bit of banter with the boys and and the girls that come down. Um, but yeah, there's something about that for me is the the nothing, the nothingness of, of, of kicking the footy is, is really, really, really calming and meditative for me. Yeah. So why Hawthorne? Why, why did you gravitate towards the Hawks? Oh, mate, you know, when um, it's weird in, in my family. So most times in a, in a family, you're, that's your, your, your grandfather was that, and then your dad's that. And then, so my grandfather is actually Essendon. My dad is Western Bulldogs. And my eldest brother came home from school one day and said to, to my dad, he goes, I don't want to back for the Bulldogs. They're not winning any games. I want to go for the Hawks. Obviously it was peak eighties <laughs> and the Hawks were winning yeah. everything. So my dad's like, it's your choice. Go for your life. You know, it's very uh, progressive uh, my father. So he's like, you know, you, this is the bed. This is the bed that if you made your bed, you got to lie in it. Turns yeah. out it was a good choice. Uh, the Hawks kept winning. And <laughs> so then my middle brother started going for the Hawks and then I did as well. So as I said, looking up to my, to my older brothers all that time. So yeah, uh, it, it worked out pretty well for us, especially the three peat in the, um, only a few years ago now. Yeah, nice. And I remember growing up playing footy myself. So I grew up in Adelaide and, and before the Crows came on, my brother had this Hawthorne jersey, Darren Jarman's number on the back. And then we were pretty stoked when the Ooh, Crows came on. And then a great Darren South Australian. Across. Yeah. <laughs> a, bit, a, bit, a bit faster than his brother, Andrew, but still both pretty good uh, yeah. family as well. Um, yeah. But you did the hamstring and then you didn't play again or you, you didn't play like professionally again. Like, yeah, t- talk us through yeah. that because it often, it's the dream of young blokes in Australia to, to play footy, particularly where I grew up and, and when you grew up. Like, and what was it like to just go, I've got to pivot. I'm going to do something different now. Um, so I played all through that year um, after I recovered from the preseason, but just played in club footy. I was working at a pub on Thursday nights. Um, so I'd only train once a week instead of the two nights a week because I had a job. Um, but I really loved working at that, that at the pub. I was just picking up glasses um, at a different pub, just as, as I said, following in the footsteps of my brother. But after we won the grand final that year, um, yeah, mate, it was it was a moment I remember sitting down with my dad and saying, oh, I want to play seniors or he's like, and my band had just started playing in pubs on the weekends. Like we were doing Thursday nights, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He's like, look, if you get injured on a, on a Saturday, it means you, you won't be able to do the gig that night or you won't be able to do the, the gig on the, on the Sundays. You know, he goes, what if you get punched in the face or in the jaw during the grand final, I actually got mm. shoulder, like a shoulder to the face. Couldn't close my jaw for about two months. Wow. Um, yeah, it was really weird. Like I was trying to eat, couldn't eat because couldn't close couldn't close my mouth and um, he said like, what if that happens in a game from a you know from a big bloke from a you know from one of the seniors and I went oh that's that's actually pretty good advice so I, I didn't play um I didn't play in the seniors ever um because because I decided you know I wanted to sing I wanted to sing in the mm. pub make the make the pub singing kind of my thing and then a couple of years later on um it, it sort of all worked out I wasn't going to be a professional football player but I got a job and I got a gig on Australian Idol so I still, I still have dreams, you know, every, every year I'm like, maybe I'll get drafted this year. You know, maybe this is the year I'll see my highlight reel. 
I'll keep sending it to Alistair Clarkson, Clarker. <laughs> Sometimes I go down to the footy field and I, I get to that and I start doing talks from like from the goal line and just see if someone's sitting in the club that I'm playing at, like and yeah, saying, no. oh, let's sign this bloke up. It's only good for talks, a, but that's about it. <laughs> it's a weird fantasy that blokes have, isn't it? Um, you know, we'll get noticed. We'll just we'll definitely get noticed. Uh, look at these passes. I'm just drilling these passes from 50 meters. <laughs> To nobody, um, to no one, to no one. Well, your five-year-old. Yeah, the other day I was down there with my five-year-old, and he's like, because we live in Queensland, so footy's not a huge thing up here. And and like, I've taken him out for the first time to kick a football around, and I'm just booting it over his head just to, to hope that someone sees me booting this thing. My, my kid's like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, you're like, you know what you're doing. I'm trying, to get I'm trying to get i'm trying to get drafted you'll see one day son you'll one see. Day. drafted yeah. into the masters maybe um all right well, let's t- let's talk about book um putting on a show manhood mates and mental health why did you think it was necessary to write a book where did the inspiration come from so during the the lockdown um like so many people i was affected by uh let's just say aloneness <laughs> like mm. isolation luckily i had yeah. i did have my partner um, but we were certainly not connecting as well as we possibly could. And then I lost two friends within a, a couple of weeks to, uh, to cancer and couldn't get to both funerals. One of them, I drove all the way to Sydney and was turned back and another mm. one, um, just due to numbers and COVID restrictions, uh, couldn't get to that one. And I started, I started drinking with some friends as soon as the lockdowns were over and I realized Oh, it was really good to catch up with friends, but the alcohol, I, I felt worse. I enjoyed the catch-ups, but I didn't really have any conversations about the grief possibly that I was going through or the the lack of, yeah, I hadn't really processed that, that grief and grief obviously comes in waves and everyone deals with it in different ways, but uh, the alcohol just made me feel worse. So I started, I wrote about that. I wrote about how I was feeling at the time um, and mentioned, of course, uh, Hello Sunday Morning which is a social change uh, mm. movement about um, uh, dealing with drinking and alcohol and um, addiction, I suppose, uh, and also celebrating the people who are out using their time uh, to the best of their ability on the weekends. I really like it. Chris, Chris Rain started that a few years ago. Um, anyway, I wrote, wrote about that, wrote about Daybreak, the app that they created, and um, it got picked up by the newspapers. And I think it really resonated with a lot of blokes out there. That was the, the feedback that I was getting. It was like, oh, there's... Oh, I'm, I'm also feeling the same, like this mm. drinking, this, I mean, obviously I don't think everyone was grieving, um, their, the loss of friends, uh, but they probably were grieving in a, in a way, just the lack of connection with their mm. friends and family. So I think it really resonated. And then publisher reached out to me and said, would you be interested in writing some more about this sort of stuff? And I've always had this fascination with identity, um, identity of the country of Australia, um, how I feel like we are in our adolescence in this country. Um, but that felt like too big of a, a topic to really tackle uh, Australia's identity. Well, we, we haven't quite worked it out. We were on a really good path through the like the 70s and 80s and really finding ourselves as a as a country. And then we sort of just let it go. We sort of just, yeah, we we let our uncle, uncle Sam sort of probably take over too much influence over us instead of finding mm. ourselves. You know, in your 20s, you sort of, you're looking for your influences and you find yourself. We sort of let that go for some reason. I don't, I don't, I don't know why, whether it's the, the governments that we've had in, in place or anyway, I could go on and on about that. But I thought, why don't I tackle what I think it is to be an Aussie man, the identity of just of blokes in general. 
And I realized the archetypes that we had back in the day of the seventies, the eighties, you had the, the Jackie Howe wearing sheep shear and bloke. You had the beach blonde Bondi surfer guy. Um, you had the yuppie throughout the nineties that they were sort of really distinct archetypes. And then I was like, who, who are they now? Like I, I don't really identify with any, any of those. Um, I mean, I'm a footy playing musical theater guy who likes gaming. There's a, it's a strange Venn diagram of things that I like that somehow connect. Yeah. So I wanted to find out who, who, who that is, who that bloke is and um, what is mateship and how important it is that the, this Anzac spirit. And so I, yeah, decided to interview a bunch of people that I had met over the journey and, um, and some people that I sort of had seen on the news or looked up to and read their books. And I was like, oh, I'll just reach out and see who says yes. And I was really lucky that majority of the people just said, yeah, I'd love to talk about this stuff. So mm. um, Dr. Pat McGorry, Professor Jane Perkis, um, I learned a lot about this new boy project that she's working on, um, which is tackling, trying to find all the data from all these men's health charities and finding out what works and then hopefully turning into like a, a national system of these are the things that actually work. Let's implement them on a daily basis. Uh, also yeah. a guy called Zach Seidler, who's, uh, I should say Dr. Zach Seidler, he's a head psych at Movember. Uh, who's really good at um, tackling similar to you, mate, like where men and women, and I'm generalizing here. Absolutely. Um, we look at the world a little bit differently. So one way of teaching someone about psychology and their problems is completely different to the, to the other sex. So I think Zach's trying to work out why that is and how best to tackle, tackle it for blokes um, like, like yourself. Mm. Um, he, he, he had some really interesting things to say throughout the book. Um, Tommy Harkin, who does these incredible workshops for, for young boys, empowering workshops called Tomorrow Man. Um, Tyson Yonker-Porter, who um, he wrote a book called Sand Talk, which I really, really loved. It really resonated with me. And I hope your listeners will enjoy his, his book, Sand Talk. Um, I thought that even the chat with him w w went off topic a bit and went into these, uh, this chat about incels, um, which is in, in celibate, um, involuntary celibate men. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Anyway, that's, that's definitely worth uh, looking up in, in the book mm. as well. It's a really fascinating topic for, for men who feel like they're not being heard, that they can actually go really far and really aggressive and um, down that path. Definitely worth looking at. Uh, and yeah, just a bunch of awesome humans like yeah, Jamila Rizmi. And anyway, I, I won't rattle off all the people, but it was super fascinating to unpack a lot of things and a lot of thoughts from, from a lot of different people. And then reflect on it myself. I think the, the, the point of the book for me was always how do I get the listener or the reader to learn along with me? Similar to Lee Sales, Any Ordinary Day, where she interviews all these people and she's self-reflecting. Basically, the whole point of the book is how do I get more people to self-reflect? And the best way to do that is to show them this is how I've done it throughout this process. And maybe you can do it along with me. Because we don't, we, we, yeah. we often just, we don't introspect, we don't self-reflect, we don't take stock. And especially now, like at the end of the year, now's a, a great time to be doing that. Um, and hopefully, yeah, this, this is the kind of book that sort of um, can help champion that sort of thing for you. Yeah. So where did you start? What was the, what was the starting point of what you thought was an Aussie bloke when you first, I guess, put pen to paper? Where, what was your framework to look at? I suppose you look at your own dad and you look at your own grandfather or your stepdad, you look at the people who have influenced you. Um, and I realized, oh, my dad's really not Ocker. And like in my mind, there is this Ocker kind of Aussie bloke. I'm like, oh, my dad's not that at all. Nor was my stepdad. In fact, never, 
never once in my whole life have I ever heard my dad say, geez, look at the tits on that. Or my stepdad say, well, she's all right, son. Like ne never, like he's always been so um, kind and um, yeah, without even saying it, he's an equalitarian, you know, we talk very openly and honestly and um, uh, fondly of, of, of women, but never in a derogatory manner, never in a sexist tone. And I always thought, oh, how lucky am I to to have had men like that in my in my life? Mm. Um, whereas I I think a lot of men don't don't have that. They have a bit of a the ochre kind of bloke to look up to, and that's their only example of 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 men. So th there was that um, footy coaches and um, teachers and um, and also just archetypes, as I said, that you that you know and love from your seventies and eighties and, and from television, really. Mm. I was picturing that moment where you're sitting down drinking with the mates after COVID, and Dan Andrews has finally let you get on the beers. <laughs> on the on the beers, yeah, get on the beers. Um, and and so like it was a moment like COVID accelerated a whole bunch of mental health discussions, and and also like reflective you know, discussions and and conversations about who we are as people, and particularly men. Um, I often have found myself drinking with mates and, and you're just talking about superficial stuff. You're not really going any deeper about who we are, how we're feeling as well. Mm -hmm. we're, we're talking about the footy. We're talking about girls in the, in the bar or, or whatever, maybe how work shit, um, maybe how the family's, you know, struggling or whatever, but we don't go, you know what, I'm, I've had suicidal ideation this week, or maybe I don't really, I don't really connect with this Aussie bloke culture or this, you know, hooliganism that, you know, you often associate with being an Aussie. And, and so mm, many guys, mm. I think, from COVID, I guess, and, and women as well, so many people got the inspiration to start reflecting inwards. It gave us the time to do it, essentially. And a lot of people actually were drinking yeah. from home and drinking on the couch. I was one of them, like drinking on the couch because you were bored, had nothing else to do. But you start to go, um, is, this, is this really me? Is this who I am? Is this what I want to be? Is this where, where I want to go? Is this, is this how I want my son to see me? You know, I've got a five-year-old son. Mm. Do I want him to see me doing this? And do I want him to grow up doing this? Or do I want him to discover who he is as well? And so going mm. through the book and having all these discussions, did you like identify all these other eclectic types of what it means to be an Aussie bloke? And, and did you connect with more with them than say the, the stereotypical Ocker Bogan style Aussie bloke? Yeah, I think, I think I'm all kind of all things. I know with this, my personality type, um, but I think I just, as you say, using that time to self-reflect and introspect uh, does help you work out who you are as a person. Um, and I'm, for the for the people that did the work, um, I think they really thrived um, mm. throughout the last couple of years. As you said, they they were they tried to set good examples for their kids. They tried to, or for a lot of them, they actually got more time with their children for the first time in a very long time. They realised the importance of work, um, work, family, play balance, you know, like usually it was just work. I have to work to put money on the table to mm. feed the kids. And that's, the, that's, I'll just be the provider that, that kind of way. Um, I think, yeah, for a lot of people, that's it's really eye opening to, to work out what was most important for them in their life. Uh, and for me, it was, I needed to perform. I really love it. I missed, I missed doing it. Mm. Um, and as, as a, as a bloke, I don't know. I don't quite know how to answer that question. Like, I think I did work out who, who I was like just because of the work. I mean, I, I think I talk about it at the end of the book, I'm, I'm not saying go and go and write a book to find <laughs> out who you are, but 
definitely do some work with your psych or do some, go for some long walks with your, like it was the walks with my partner and the walks with, um, with mates definitely that helped, um, gives you nothing but time to, to, to think. And mm. as you saying before at the pub where you're distracted by the, the people in the bar or what's happening on the television or the footy, or it is kind of a surface when there's, when you're out in a bushwalk, there is nothing but you and your thoughts or you and your mate. And after like an hour of small talk, it's nothing but real, real chat. And mm. that's where you really connect. I think I'm hot. I'm, what I'm hoping is that people can start to realize that it's, that's actually where you develop those really great friendships. Um, it's when you say all the real things, the, mm. the, look, let's call it vulnerable. I know Tommy Harkin in the book talks, talks about blokes scared of the word vulnerability. So let's, let's change it to openness. It's, it's when we're mm. open with each other, that's when we actually connect. And I really, I really like that part of it. And I think that's what I realized. Oh, that's, that's what I love to do most. That's the kind of bloke that I am. I like being the person that makes people feel, feel comfortable enough to have those conversations. They feel safe enough. That is something actually I really discovered in the, in, in the book, uh, from, from writing is we take longer to, to drop our guard. Uh, it's a sort of a safety mechanism for, for blokes to so talk about that being vulnerable. We see that as a, a, a weakness, but it's also a lack of trust. We have to really trust the person before we're mm. going to tell them something. Um, and I'll generalize here again. I think women are much better at just blurting out or just saying all the things blurting sounds um, flippant. I don't mean it like that. I mean, like, it's easier for them to just say the things that they're, they're feeling. Um, but I think for blokes, it takes longer to build up the trust in order to, to let other people in. Or mm. also there's the other one of, I don't want to burden the other person. I don't want to burden the other bloke or I don't want to burden my partner with this. I should be the strong one in this. And really it's, that's not the case at all. You, you, you have to, what's a problem? A problem shared is a problem halved. It's one thing I think blokes forget. You got to share yeah. it with your mate. I mean, they don't have to, they don't have to solve it for you, but they just even just airing it out, you know, just letting just releasing the valve just just a little bit every now and again. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's that build, building that trust or finding those people that you do trust. And it's, the funny thing is, the the only way to sort of build the trust is to um, give out something of yourself first to let let that person in. And the next thing you know, you, you're getting deeper and deeper and deeper by the more that you sort of share with each other and it's 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 the sharing of i'm not even saying secrets but it's just of of real things about yourself mm. is the thing that actually connects you more with with the person i think yeah that's the thing i did learn is uh, i think i sort of already knew it instinctively um but i i like doing that i like um creating a safe space for people to to have those chats and for some people it's really difficult um mm. you might not be that person in your friendship group that does that um but if you notice, if you do notice someone that needs that person, help help them find that person. You know? Yeah, I, I think you've touched on something that comes to the crux of Australian identity, particularly for men, is around, you know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, you know, and it was a lot of the mantra that was coming through. And I play, you know, played footy, similar to you, basketball, soccer, I play, I did little athletics. A lot of men, I had three brothers in the, in the household, plus dad as well. And, and the whole... The mantra around during that time was boys don't cry men because men don't cry and yeah. like you get hit on the footy field you guys pick yourself up you brush yourself off you know you get home and your older brother's watching die hard or the terminator terminator 2 was at that time and terminator great films. one great films. great films but 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 also like 
it just reinforced that that I guess a stereotype for men that we we might need we might get shot, <laughs> we might get stabbed or something, we might get smacked around on the footy field, but to be a man was to you know soldier on essentially. And I think for yeah, many guys, yeah, many guys and myself included, just bottled it all up and didn't know how to express it because we didn't talk about mental health back then either. Like it wasn't even a, in the dictionary, I don't think. But like you know, we'll, it was all around bottling it up. And if you were seen crying, I remember you know, if I was seen crying, someone might say, "Oh, don't be a girl," or "Don't be sissy," or whatever. Don't be a wuss. Toughen up. Harden, toughen up. Harden up. Drink some concrete all those types yeah. of things. And so you did, you bottled it up and, and you didn't show that emotion. And I think now coming out of COVID, I think COVID's helped accelerate a lot of guys, particularly a lot of the guys I work with, they're a lost sense of identity. That they've got all these things inside of them that are, are boiling and bubbling away that they want to get out, but they just don't have the words. And then they kind of have lost that sense of self and then who they are as, as blokes, Aussie blokes. And and can I talk about things and still be an Aussie bloke at the same time? There's a bit of a clash of hundred percent. Yeah, and this is and this is and this is the thing. It's the is this sort of transition as we're moving into more of an equalitarian kind of existence. I think I heard Esther Perel talking about it the other day about that there were these strong archetypes and the men had these sort of gender roles and women had their own gender roles. But now it's it's all different. It's all it's all changed, and for the mm. better. It, but there is also going to be a a cost for that. Like if there's confusion about who's who's doing what i think the the, the main thing is just conversation around it whether mm. it's with your friends or whether it's with your um all the stuff that was unsaid is because it, everything just was the way it was but now because it, we are unsure just have the conversation with your partner with your your brother your mum, your dad like the more that you can um de- debate it even um healthy debate critical debate critical think about around it all the the better you're going to the better you're going to be you, you're not going to solve it in your own brain, I don't think. Um, no. I think it's, no. it's best and if you have. What What are the expectations of you as a uh, as a man with your partner? Um, mm. What are the expectations of um, of you? And what's your role in the family, or what's your role, as I said, as as a as a father, or just as as a husband? Um, what What does that look like? And just uh, I think just ask. Just having that conversation, going for those walks with your partner, or, or um, and uh, yeah, having having those conversations is so important because then. Who who really cares what society thinks? It, it's only what what really matters for you and your mm. partner or those close around your circle and what works for you. Um, so get rid of the the norms of of, of yesteryear. Um, the more I think, yeah, we have these conversations, the, the better we're gonna the better we're gonna be. Absolutely, and, and we're seeing that a lot in like the dad space. Like I like talking about dads because I'm a dad. <laughs> yeah, love it, love it. But like you know, stay at home dads you know, like going to the shops with their kids and they might be in the pram or whatever. Like, oh, you're babysitting today. But no, I'm the primary caregiver just of my being... child. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just fathering, just, just the normal <laughs> fathering. But that's the stuff. It just takes time. That, that's the social change just takes time. I think the more that you can just own it and go, no, I'm just, just, just being a dad. I, I sat in this um, uh, men's circle um, warrior within here in Melbourne um, mm. for, for the, for the process of the book. And one of these blokes, we, we, we're so wrapped up in the identity of our, of our jobs as, as men as well. It used to be, oh, I'm a lawyer or I'm a doctor. Or I'm a builder. Or I'm a, and this guy just said, oh, I'm a father. Like someone said, what do you do? He goes, oh, I'm a father. Like that's oh, first and foremost, it. that's his, his number one job. He's like, oh, I'm a father. Yeah. But what do you do? He goes, well, most like that's a lot of my time is just being a dad. <laughs> um, also, I, I also work, but like, 
that's my number one thing. I just thought that's really a great way to to reframe uh, things for blokes. Yeah, I love that. That's you don't hear that very often. Yeah, you hear you yeah. hear about the job title. Um, and, and yeah, I love that. That's really good. And, and it's all around language. It's all around discussions, communication as well. Just, just, as you said, like feeling the trust in somebody else or developing the trust and just start the conversation. Cause the first time, like, I mean, I talk a lot about mental health on the podcast is because of my own journey, but the first time I went into the doctors was 10 years ago. The first time I went to the GP and said, I think I've got a mental health issue. And then we could trace it back over a 30 year period eventually. And I f- that first conversation was really hard, but the, now I'm at the point where I feel rubbish and I'll just go to the doctor or the psych and, or a counselor or whoever and just talk about stuff. And now I've got a bloody podcast where I talk about it all the time and yeah. it just it gets easier every time. And, and But I think so many guys are just, they're, sh- they're shut up shop because they haven't learned how to communicate it. And, and unfortunately, like the, the other side of the coin for that is, you know, higher rates for suicide for men were 75% more deaths by suicide are yeah. male. And also I, I think this is a, a uniquely entwined st- statistic as well. It's around 75% of victims of family domestic violence report the male as being the perpetrator. So what these yeah. two tell me is that we just really struggle to open up and, and do it in a healthy way. And it, it, it can come out as violence or to ourselves or to the other people. So conversations are hugely important just to unburden yourself and stop trying to outthink it because we can never outthink our, our brains like to trip us up all the time. So. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it is strange. It's the cell of the, the brain always goes just a weird self-preservation. We don't want to feel the hurt we don't want to feel guilt we don't want to feel shame so mm. we just push it into some something else a lot of a lot of things i learned as well was as it was around guilt and shame um for, for blokes and that's what it can be bottled up and turn mm. into anger um if you're not doing because anger is actually a really effective emotion right mm. um certain times you're gonna you're gonna need it um but it's just working out when you actually do need that and certainly for, uh, unfortunately, for, for some men and for some women, um, it does come out um, in fa- family domestic violence sort of situations. And it's, I think, mm. which is horrific. Whether you're predisposed to it, you've seen it in your family, in your upbringing for, for your life, but there is a way to sort of get get through that and um, get the help to just to, to sort of right, right the wrongs. A lot of that stuff also comes from drug abuse, it comes from alcohol abuse. And that goes back to why am I drinking? Why am I taking drugs? Mm. What are the mm. reasons? What am I escaping from? What are the, how do I break this cycle? But what are the reasons I'm choosing alcohol or gambling or all these sort of vices? Uh, for me, sometimes it's gaming just to escape um, mm. pornography, like all, all, all these things. Um, why am I choosing this to escape my my thoughts like what what's what's actually going on in my mind what do i actually want what i'm actually running from or what am i not dealing with um yeah and i think that's for a lot of people we were saying before like in the fourth slowdown a lot of people did that work and worked ah oh, i was doing that because of this choosing alcohol because i didn't want to deal with my problems with my partner instead of actually having the conversation for fear of hurting their feelings which they're probably on the same page anyway they're probably thinking the same thing yeah. I'll just we'll just we'll just drink. Well, let's just drink instead, and we don't have to talk about the stuff. I yeah, guarantee yeah. the the more you talk, the the less that you drink, um, the better your relationship's going to be with yourself and also with your partner. 
Absolutely. And I often think about that drinking is, is around the short-term fix, the Band-Aid kind of solution. Like the big night out, you might spend a couple hundred bucks on a nice meal or beers over the bar or whatever, taxi rides, new outfit, new haircut, all this type of stuff, maybe even an apartment, whatever. And you, mm. you might blow up to a grand, you know, depending on how extravagant the night is. But then a lot of people don't invest that same money into therapy which oh, can mate, give you I've... long-term benefits and, and healing yeah. and strategies to actually deal with the stuff that you're slapping the band-aids on. Yeah. I'm a huge advocate for, for therapy. Um, and I know uh, in Victoria, they've done a really good job of um, adding more psych sessions to the rebatable uh, government ones they've already put in place. I think they're looking at trying to retract them at the moment mm -hmm. in, in government, but I know my local ministers here are doing their best to, to keep them. Um, yeah, I'm a big advocate for it. And putting my, I suppose, trying to walk the talk, I booked in once a month. So the first week of every month this year, I've um, seen my psych. So I've now, yeah. well, I've done 12 sessions this year um, for the first time. Usually I'll wait three, four months before I call him and then we'll have a Skype session. And mm -hmm. and then I realized, what am I doing? Why am I waiting until this uh, rage or this anxiety is building up or um, this fear or whatever it is uh, I was going through, I decided, you know what, this year, if I'm feeling good, I want to know why I'm feeling good. So if that, yeah. if I'm, if that cycle of, you know, that first, first week of the month comes around, I'm feeling good. We go, all right, why am I feeling good? How's that? What, what are the things I'm doing this month? You know, in the last month that have made me feel good. Let's, let's do more of that. It's mm. been really, really helpful. And for some people, as I said, it's, it's a counselor. Some people might be a hairdresser. Some might be a bit, a best mate. You might not need a, a professional to, to help you with this, but if you do need one, um, they're, they're, they're definitely out there and they don't have to be just face-to-face. -face. As I said, mine's just on Skype. I, I see a psychotherapist, not a psychologist. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just find the right one that, that works for you. Um, I don't think a Reiki master is going to get you there, but... It could. Each, you never know. As I said, each, <laughs> each to their own. Whatever helps you in your frame of mind. Um, but I really enjoy I really enjoy having the chats um, and I also really enjoy not having to take on someone else's stuff. Usually when you're catching up with a friend, you offload your stuff and then they load their stuff. So you're like, oh, I've got to have mm. more stuff. <laughs> the good <laughs> thing about the psych is and you pay, for it. you pay for it, but you don't have to take on any of their stuff. Like, yeah. Right. What's some of the things that you've learned through through therapy and through the book as well, like it's just write about yourself and, and about the things that, you that trigger you but also the things that work for you in terms of recovery as well uh the things that work for me moving exercise and getting that sort of natural uh dopamine that the endorphins up from through exercise uh, people talk about water water is very important as well just drinking lots of water throughout the day i don't want to go too cliche but yeah exercise and water super important less screen time and mm -hmm. more nature so there's the the phones and the social media apps, uh, I think everyone knows this, but they're designed to keep you on there. So they'll give you like these little dopamine hits and that's why you keep scrolling. You're getting these little um, hits, kind of like cigarettes, like you're getting a little mm. hit of joy, um, nicotine and the dopamine is racing through your brain, right? So you're like, oh, I'll just, I'll keep, keep this going. But after a while, you're fatiguing that sort of dopamine and also you're having these really weird thoughts of FOMO, like your fear of missing out. Why aren't I doing that sort of entitlement? And mm. why aren't I getting that? Why isn't my life like that? No one's life is like that. Um, and the only way to do that is to put down your phone and to go out and live your life. 
Um, so I would say, yeah, put, putting the phone down, putting limits on your social media time or um, trying to do something for others. There's something, um, this especially this time of year, it's a season for giving. Um, I would say go and donate your time, go and donate some blood, go and work in a food bank, go and soup kitchen. Um, like if it's once a, once a year, you do it great. If it's, if that spurs you on to do it more often, um, do some community driving, do, do like help out your neighbor. Um, mm. there, you'd be amazed at how good you feel from helping other people We mm. in, in a world at the moment where we're all just trying to self-serve and how do I promote me and my product and my things and elevate my followers and get more likes and blah, it's, it's exhausting. <laughs> it is. And I guarantee it, you will feel better if you just uh, go and help someone else, just even mm. for a couple of hours or an hour or like it is, it is amazing. Um, the, the joy that you do actually that you get from helping others. So, and also that, you, you can you can be both like you can be the guy who wants to talk about feelings and stuff but you can also be the bloke who loves to banter and i think it's super mm. important for, for blokes to remember that um gussie wallen talked about um blokes probably get a zero percent um real chat at the moment where there's so much banter going on there's no real chat he goes <laughs> if we could just get to five percent five percent real chat and i said oh probably like 15 to 20 percent real chat but that's just me <laughs> um but at a bare minimum let's should make it 5%, but we do need that banter and um, mm. don't, don't lose that. And I don't think you, you, you're going to, you're not going to lose that. Um, so for blokes who are out there scared about talking about their feelings, it's okay. Um, find that mate that you trust. Um, or because I, I guarantee it, if you, if you open up, they'll, they will also share something as well. Mm. Um, be that be the catalyst in, in your friendship group. If, you, if there isn't one, um, take take one aside. You don't have to do it in a big group situation, but just take one aside and um, especially if you see something that's changed in their behavior. Um, yeah, that's one of the things I've I've learned is the importance of uh, regular regular check-ins as well. Yeah, there is there is that thing as well. Actually, there's one thing I did learn is when we catch up with mates, sometimes it's two, three months, especially if you've got you've got kids. And it's you just get the the best bits, you get the sound bites, you get the Instagram mm. kind of version of their life but the more that you check in the less small stuff that they have to talk about they can only talk about the real stuff does that make sense like yeah absolutely the more regular contact um and i've learned that i probably need more regular contact than i thought i did and it's often like that regular contact where we, we lose it you know we've become quite nomadic in our in our culture as well and, you know, where we move around and, and you, you, you might be the same with, you might have a gig in across Australia yeah. and, and, and all, yeah. all across the world and other guys do fly, fly and fly out. And, and, you know, you know, we live on a sunny coast now in Queensland, but we're not from Queensland. Um, my, my two kids were born here, but, you know, I'm from Adelaide, my wife's from Hobart. We met in Canberra. We've moved all around the place as well, looking for greener pastures. And, and so you kind of lose that sense of community and, and you might, it might be, longer between drinks with your mates that you actually do catch up with them as well so i wanted to touch on on what mateship means for you as well you touch on this in the book as well but like how important is it to have a group of mates or even just one mate that you can talk to like and particularly for you like how important is is, is mates and, and friendship for you yeah as you were saying before that the amount of traveling and moving around that i've done in, in my life is immense like especially in a musical you 
sometimes every three to four months, uh, you're in a different city, living out of a suitcase. Um, and then you, you bunker down in one city for a while. And you're like, oh, cool, I'll get my mates and I start this tribe. And then next thing you're off, you've moved moved cities. I moved to Sydney at the end of last year with my partner. Um, and then we moved back to Melbourne within eight months. It is super important to keep contact with your friends and to have that tribe. There's the old adage that you are the, the sum of the five people that you they have around you. Um, I'm a big believer in that. Um, so try and surround myself. My closest five are kind, compassionate, go-getting, I suppose, um, entrepreneurial type um, people, but also, yeah, kind and compassionate, I think are the, the, the key ones for me to have to have around me. N- non-judgmental um, are the, the best ones to have. I met a mate in 2020, 2021, my mate Josh Reed Jones, which I talk about in the book. And I remember going, Oh, here's a guy who's who loves to kick the footy, who loves banter, stupid jokes, and also loves to talk about real stuff. And I was like, oh, this is great. And also grew up in the same area. He went to school with my cousin. We sort of lived a similar life, um, but hadn't really met properly until that moment. And I was like, it's the universe saying, here's a gift. Here's a gift of a mm. mate. And we've been, um, I would say, best mates ever since. And it's it's been really, really helpful for me to have and I didn't, I didn't realize it at the time as well. When you get into a relationship, especially over during lockdown, it's just you and your partner. And God, this is lovely. And I am a, definitely a version of myself with my partner. But there's also this other part of me that needs the blokey banter. I remember when I started hanging out with Josh, she's like, who's this Who's this guy that, that I've never met before? Okay, that's Rob. That's Millsy. Uh, he's 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 a, he's a bit blokey. She's like, oh, I'm not sure about him. I'm like, I, but I like him. I need, you know. Yeah, for, for blokes out there, probably nodding nodding along, hopefully going, oh yeah, I do. I, I need I need to keep that part of me going as well. There's definitely a part of a part of you that needs to be, I don't know, blokey or whatever whatever it is. Um, yeah, it certainly makes you feel good as well. Like I've got a few mates where as soon as we catch up, it's dialed up to a hundred. <laughs> the blokey, yes, like yeah. and it's we're cracking jokes and we just straight on to each other. But there's other blokes that I catch up with and it's just more casual like it's not it's nothing there's there's none of that banter it's more just mm. catching up and stuff like that but yeah there's a couple of mates of mine one in particular that has moved up to queensland now so i can't wait to catch up him for a beer and but as yeah. soon as we get together it's it's on yeah it's a, it's a it's a different kind of feeling and it is it is that 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 mateship and I, I am super aware that there are people who who don't have that who who mm. who, who do who have felt alone especially the last couple of years um not just felt alone but but are alone and I am also very mindful, yeah, also very mindful of that, and how to um, best help help those people as well find find their friends or find their tribe. And I think it's it comes down to putting yourself out there. A lot mm. of a lot of time is is super daunting. It's super hard to make adult friends. Like mm. we've as soon as you turn thirty and you've you know you've travelled around, you've moved, you, you end up I found it in the book. And I think it was my partner that told me this more so. It's like. She's like, my dad doesn't have any friends really at all. Like we end up, the blokes end up just with the wives' friends mm. over, over time because they're very good at cultivating friendship groups and um, uh, and community. The blokes are like, oh, I'll just, well, I'll just speak when we need to speak. I'll just catch up with him when I need to catch up. But actually, it's really important. It's it's mm. super important. And also, as you say, your face lit up when you, when you talked about your mate then. That feeling of um, blokes, we forget it. We forget that. That's that's a really good thing to have, uh, close friendship circles or close friendship groups. And um, we go, oh, we don't need it. We're like, no, we actually, we really do, and we should, 
we should um, cultivate it. Um, mm. We should cultivate. We should be talked about with our partners. They should help help us. I shouldn't say they should help us, but like um, men should ask women, "How do you how do you do it?" <laughs> I talk about that in the book a lot about men asking women for help uh, when it comes to these conversations. And I, I went on my friend Emma Ricciano's, uh podcast, and she was like, "What do you mean you need more help? Haven't you taken enough from women?" I'm like, "I'm just saying." that you're much better at it than us. Yeah. And it would be great if you could just help us out a little bit in how to <laughs> build better friendships and how to have deeper, more meaningful conversations. <laughs> Instead of yelling at us and telling us that we're rubbish at it, please, please help us. Please just uh, show us your ways. Um, yeah. I, I think it's it's super important for blokes to have those those friendships. And I've, I've learned that I, I need it. And also to make, make time for them. I think... Mm. For blokes, we don't make a lot of time for ourselves. We make time for the family, for our partner. Um, I took on my brother the other day and he, he said one of his mates plays golf every Sunday morning. And there are these all these blokes going, Oh, how do you manage that? How'd you, you know, how'd you get how'd you get out of and he just said, My wife realizes that this is really important for me. Mm. I need I need that I need this for me. That she looks after the kids, you know, in that four hour window, whatever it is. And I get to have some time with my mates and that's, that makes them a better couple because of it. Instead of going, Oh, I can't believe you're having that time. Like, no, no, it's going to make him a better, better man, better bloke, better father. Cause he gets to have the time away from it. And I think that's mm. a really important conversation to have uh, for blokes to have with their partners um, about what you actually, I mean, look, there are limits and there's compromise. I'm not saying just go and do whatever, <laughs> do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. You still need to, there, would, there definitely needs to be some compromise, but if it's something that you actually really need, put your hand up and say, I need, I need this. I really, I think I really need this for me. And, and don't be afraid to have that um, conversation with your partner. As I said, I think it's the more honest and truthful that you are, the better that you're going to connect with, uh, with yourself, but with your partner as well. Absolutely. I love how you said that. And particularly making time, like there's so much time in the day that we just waste on things oh. like social media. You know, that's, that's a, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And so there is plenty of time of the day. And, and if you're in Queensland, the sun's up at 4.30 in the morning, so you can start there. <laughs> but we don't have the, yeah. the late night, like, you know, you guys are on daylight savings. And so your, your sun's up until the evening. So you can go out in, in the evening as well and, and stuff like that. So there's plenty of time. It's just, it's just putting it in the calendar as well. Just schedule it in and actually just commit to it. And if, and if you, and I'm like this, I get a bit of social anxiety as well. But yeah, just stepping out of your comfort zone and just trying something new trying something that you've always wanted to do, but you've never done it can be a great way. And that's oh, yeah. why they, that's why they have community groups and sports clubs and all that, because there's other people who are just the same that they just like to give things a go and try it. So sporting groups are actually a great way to do that. If you are feeling a bit lonely, a bit disconnected, even if you're not playing, just volunteering or something like that is a great way to yeah. connect. Yeah, absolutely. Communities are super important. And as I said, we've moved away from the community kind of groups and sporting clubs. I don't say we, we have moved away, but like we have a little, a little bit, you know, compared to what we used to be. Um, we're more individually kind of minded at the moment, but I think there is this crying out. What is, what is missing? Like everyone's going, what is, what are we missing? Like that, that's what we're missing. We're missing that connection. We're missing mm. community connection. Um, and yeah, for the, for the brave, it's, it's super rewarding. Like, that's all I can say. Yeah the, yeah. the more times that I've gone out and put myself out there and met people and 
yeah, it's it's super rewarding. And for the introverts out there, it's super exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> but rewarding at the same time. <laughs> but, but rewarding, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and it circles around to improve mental health, improve, you know, less feeling of loneliness, uh, other outlets to, to release some of the stuff and, and in healthy ways, but also opening our eyes to new perspectives of the world. And that's why I love to have men and women on the show to share their stories because men, we, we need different perspectives about life. We can't just assume that we can only hear about man stuff from a man. Like, you know, females are good and our kids are good. Like I've had Gus on the show, my son Gus, just hearing from a kid's perspective, what life means to him and what he's interested in, all that type of stuff. You know, our kids and our partners and, and the broader community, even different cultures as well. It's not just, you know, European Anglo-Saxon culture, like it's it's our indigenous culture, it's Eastern and 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 other cultures and, and you know, it's just that's where we can really grow as men is just embracing all this stuff and going, okay, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is how I can grow. This is how I'm not showing up how I want to. And just, you know, go inwards and start reflecting inwards to then grow into that, that man that we've always wanted to be and that we know that we can be, but we often just live yeah. on autopilot. So. hundred percent. And this was like, the, I think the art arts does that really well. Like the all classifies this, even this podcast as being part of the arts uh, conversations around just connectedness um, mm. as, 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 a, as a, as a medium, people just listening to this conversation or reading books, um, fiction or nonfiction, just to try and learn more, like mm. uh, not mm. just get the dopamine hit from a 15 second video. Um, yeah. You were talking about indigenous culture. I would highly recommend, I think I said before, but Tyson Young Porter's book, Sand Talk, really, really great book. If you want to learn more about indigenous culture and um, how we can implement those sort of things in our Western society. Um, there's some really beautiful um, interviews that he did with people and really great understanding. I was like, oh, this is excellent. It's a, it's a fantastic book. I'll find the link and put it in the show notes so that people can, yeah, um, click on it and, and, and purchase it if they want to check it out. Um, yeah. Rob, I've really enjoyed this discussion. It's been really insightful into your journey, but also, you know, things around masculinity and, and mateship and mental health. I really appreciate your time. Thinking about, I guess, what's coming up for you. Yeah, what's happening for you in 2023? We're recording this in December 2022. So have you got some big things on the cards, um, things that you're, you're okay to share? And, and also, where can we get your book as well? Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, the book should be at all good and bad bookstores. Uh, there should be, <laughs> uh, I think you can find it on Amazon, Booktopia. It's on Audible. It's on a bunch of different um, uh, streaming services as well that you can listen to the book. I did the... There's a couple of extra bits I sort of added throughout reading the book. When you're reading it out loud, you're like, oh, I'll just say that a bit different. Or, um, yeah, my mate listened to it the other day. He goes, it's, I could tell when you went off script. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, oh, that's good. I did I, I do a little bit, but um, some of it just needed a bit more of a uh, thought bubble at the end of some of the sentences. Um, you can find the book there. It's called Putting on a Show. And also I'll be doing, I'll be putting on a show. I'm doing And Juliet. I'm playing William Shakespeare. Uh, in a brand new musical, um, a sort of a retelling of Romeo and Juliet, which I'm really looking forward to. It's this sort of um, William Shakespeare wanting to write this beautiful tragedy and his wife saying, um, what if she doesn't kill herself at the end? Uh, you know, because they just met and what if she just doesn't and meets going, goes off and meets the actual real love of her life? And anyway, so throughout the um, the show, um, Anne Hathaway, William Shakespeare's wife, takes the quill and rewrites 
um, Romeo and Juliet, and then he takes it yeah. back and then rewrites it, and then so it's them fighting uh, with each other, which I think is really good. It's a great look at um, husband and wife that the, the way that they bicker, but at the same time how they connect with each other and um, the different sort of roles that you play, um, trying to appease your partner, but also yourself trying to speak up for yourself and what you believe in. It's, re- it's and and also the compromise that has to happen. Um, so I think it's it's really good, but also the songs are incredible as well. All the pop songs from the last thirty years from Max Martin. So that there's that, and um, hopefully more interviews and um, with 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 more amazing people. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed just having the chats, mm. um, learning learn same same with yourself, just learning more about people and um, how we can, all right, keep paving the road to progressiveness for blokes. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And uh, where's the best place to find you if people want to uh, see more of your work? We connected on Instagram. Is that the best place for you? You've got a website as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. You'll find me at Rob Millsy Mills um, on Instagram and also Facebook. Also, I'm signing copies. If ever, if anyone ever wants a copy of the book, um, I can, yeah, I've been sending them out. Just I've set up a PayPal account. I feel like a business owner um, <laughs> where I, yeah, do like personal messages for people for the book. So, yeah, it's great. Awesome. Awesome. Wonderful. Now, last question I like to ask every every one of my guests is to plug something that makes you feel good. It's kind of like a pay it forward thing. It doesn't have to be anything to do with what we talked about today, um, but just something that you can plug something so that maybe our, our audience can go, yeah, I want to check that out for myself. Oh, okay. Um, I've already said Tyson Younger Porter's book. I will say there's two things. I would say check out my friend Josh Reed Jones's um, charity, Just Be Nice. Um, and then I'll also say my friend Ben Abraham. Um, who I think is an excellent singer-songwriter in Australia. He is um, very much unknown, but also incredibly gifted. Uh, in the music circles, he is definitely well-known. He wrote Praying for Kesha. He wrote a bunch of stuff for Ben Platt. Um, he is in Australia at the moment doing some Christmas shows. Um, but yeah, he, he is, I think he's actually going to perform on Carols by Candlelight this year, finally. Cool. He usually awesome. turn, he turns the pages for John Foreman, but this year... After years of campaigning, I've got him there um, to 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 sing this year, so I'm very excited. He is, um, yeah, he's one of the one of the great singer songwriters in this. Uh, and I, I mentioned him in the book as well. He's um, an incredible young man. Awesome, love it. Well, Rob, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it, and um, all the best for the holiday period. Uh, hopefully, see you on the telly. I'm sure we'll see you on the TV. Um, doing, are you doing any of the carols by candlelight or anything like that? Yeah, I'll be doing carols by candlelight. Uh, I'm in a few sections. I do the kids section. I think. Um, I think I'm. Just, I think I'm hanging out with Santa again, which is exciting. I'll, I'll do <laughs> love hanging out with Santa, uh, and then also with my friend Bobby Fox. So I can't wait for that. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. Really appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode and I hope you got some value from it. If anything triggered your mental health today, please reach out to your support networks. Also, if you love what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your mates. For more from Mindful Men, you can check us out on Instagram and YouTube and I'll throw the links to these pages in the show notes below. But until next time, stay mindful. Thank you.